0: and welcome in it is the gamecock central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs here on the game Tyler West and Chris, broadcasting live as we've been since 9 a.m. this morning out at Steel Hands Brewing in Casey. Another hour to go. Got some basketball tickets to give away in a little bit. Got more football tickets to give away, so keep it locked right here on the game. And we also going to continue to preview what's coming up this weekend between the Gamecocks and the other Gamecocks from Jacksonville State. Uh, guys, I wanted to start off with this. Yesterday, of course, we heard from coordinators as we always do. and uh, Dow Loggins w- was asked a question in reference to Nick Harbour, who obviously has had to step up into a more prominent role in the receiving corps, given all the injuries to guys like Xavier Leggett, Juice Wells, and uh, Marion Brown, and he was asked, what's a pro comparison to Nick Harbor, given the fact that Dow Loggins has spent the majority of his career in the NFL and uh, had some uh, a couple of interesting comparisons, not direct ones, but some guys that he could maybe reference a little bit in uh, in reference to what he sees out of Nick Harbor. Here is what Dow Loggins had to say yesterday about Nick Harbor and his NFL comparisons.
1: It's like for Leggett, like the guys I've scouted, like DJ Medcalf reminds me of him, and, and Nick is so unusual from an aspect of um, – you know, he's a track guy that's um, learned how to play football and he's getting better every week and he's big and he's fast. And there's not, there's not very many humans on the face of the earth that are his size with his speed. Um, and then you, and there's not many kids that have his type of humbleness as well. So from that span, I, I think he's very unique. Um, and so it's hard for me to say like, hey, he reminds me, I had Moss in Tennessee for a little while, um, who was a big, but they're different type movers. Like Moss was a very easy mover. Uh, with elite um, ball skills and ability to play above the rim, Alshon was that way. He was an easy mover that uh, had elite ball skills. This kid is a build-to-speed, long-striding, powerful, um, powerful kid. That's um, that's strong. He's just built differently than most people that you come across. I think that's why everyone's so intrigued with him. I think that's why we get so many questions about him because. Uh, I remember going out in pregame warm-up, and uh, drink, uh, Eli Drinkowitz comes up, and he's like, golly, look, that guy's impressive looking. Um, he's just built different. He looks different. He moves different. Um, he's got a lot of work to do as a wide receiver, but like a comparison, it's a very u- unique comparison. So I, would, I don't have one guy. I'm like, hey, he really reminds me of him because his, his background and size, highway speed, is so unique.
2: Yeah, so that, of course, the voice of Dow Loggins. South Carolina offensive coordinator, and so Chris, I I thought the most interesting thing about anything that he said there was there really wasn't a comparison. Yeah, you, you know, he he was talking about he mentioned like and DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I that that caught me a little bit off guard when he initially said it, listening to the press conference yesterday. But I think he was just kind of recalling, oh, I've made this comparison with Xavier Leggett, really there are no specific examples that we've, you know, we've talked about Nick Harbour being unique to South Carolina, but you're talking about a guy who was in the NFL forever, and he's sitting there saying, look, there's not really a direct comparison for this guy in terms of what his just natural ability is, and, and but also kind of threw in the, the thing we've talked about. Hey, He's worked very, very hard to develop those wide receiver skills because sometimes we do get caught up with wide receivers and, hey, he's big, he's fast, he's explosive, but catching the football and ball skills and knowing how to adjust when the ball is in the air, all those things are huge parts of what you have to do to be successful at that position. So for me, it was interesting to hear a guy who's just been around the game for so long as a student of the game, often gives – actual detailed answers to just sort of say, hey, you know, here were, here were some great receivers I was with, but they don't really necessarily directly compare to Harbor's skill set.
3: Yeah, you, you could kind of see
2: logan stro-
3: and I don't mean this in a bad way, like struggling to come up with a comparison. He finally landed on, hey, there, there's really not one. And I think he was just kind of naming some guys who are big guys who've had success. You know, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, he's a bigger guy. Randy Moss, bigger guy. But Nick is not exactly like those guys, and he kind of drew that line of, you know, Alshon and and Moss in particular were kind of easy movers, whereas Nick's a different type of runner. You know, you you think about a sprinter, watch Nick Carver on the track, you watch him run 100 meters, right, or a 60, and you go, gosh, is he he really moving? Yes, he is. (laughs) Like, he's moving extremely fast. He builds the speed, and so for him, like, if you put him in a straight line, there's no doubt he can build the speed And he can run past somebody. But as we know, being a receiver is about so much more than that. You know, and I remember us talking to Charles Power at on three. And he watched Nick a lot of times. And and, and Nick is someone that Charles Power said, I believe he said, Wes, he went as strong as like, we have not seen this size to speed ratio ever in a recruit. And Charles has been at it a while. That's a mouthful. There's a lot of big guys that can run. And to have somebody who's 6'5", 230, 240, running 10-2, 10-3, you just simply don't see that. Um, now, with that, that, that's obviously a very unique skill. Um, but there are other ones that, you know, he doesn't have as much of that he's had to build up to, right? Just learning how to play receiver, stop and start, running routes, um, spacing. I mean, th- there's a lot of different things that he's had to continue to learn to his credit you know, you can see him becoming more and more comfortable and kind of leaning into some of those aspects.
2: Yeah, I I think the – also a great point. I mean, Loggins has a great just feel for um, where he is as an offensive coordinator and why you're going to get questions. And I I think he's just a a sharp dude. And, you know, even to mention, hey, I think this is part of the reason we get so many questions about the guy is because he is so intriguing. I mean, you have an SEC head coach – who obviously sees elite athletes all the time, going up to you before a game, being like, "Wow, look at this kid!" Like that—that's the same thing. Everybody that has seen Nick Harbour in person for the first time has been like, "Okay, like I—I <laughs> I, I get it, I see." And then you see him move, and you're like, um, "This—this is—you're watching something special." And we overuse the word "special" quite a bit, but I—I I think. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's the last couple of weeks has got me thinking more and more outside the box about what are some different things. Now that he is starting to see the uh, starting to see the work pay off, he's getting mm-hmm. more comfortable out there. He's making plays on the ball, and Logans had some great comments in there as well about, hey, he drops the very first pass of the game, and he is down and he's sad, he's upset. Um, because he feels like he let his team down. Mm-hmm. And to, to have the mental fortitude to bounce back in that moment, I, I think does speak to Harbor and s- some mental toughness there. And so I'm sitting there going, all right, what, what more could they do to kind of get outside the box with how you use this kid? I'm even wondering, could you potentially line him up outside, but let's move him back off the line of scrimmage. So... Um, but but deeper than traditional wide receivers are. And then let's let him – kind of like in the arena football, obviously you can't start moving forward <laughs> before the ball is snapped. But let's let him get ahead of steam before he gets to the line of scrimmage, before there's any contact from a cornerback. And let's see if a cornerback can deal with that size, that guy with a head of steam coming at him at the line of scrimmage. So – like, I, I think there's some different things you could get creative with. The the further along he becomes as a wide receiver, the more things you could potentially do with him.
3: Yeah, and it goes back to being comfortable. I mean, we saw um, the, the pass play to him that was technically a run, right, against A&M. I mean, We haven't seen that before out of, out of Nick Carver. Being behind the line of scrimmage, catching that ball, and kind of allowing him to get the football and maybe get ahead of steam, you know? Instead of run, route, catch, ball, it's. Back up, catch ball, run, right? So a little bit different. And we still have not seen, Wes, the the thing that everybody wants to see. We haven't seen the Nick Harbor just lines up outside, runs past somebody. Spencer Rattler uncorks a Spencer Rattler football down the sideline for 50 yards. Harbor catches it, runs for a touchdown, right? That's what everybody wants to see. And certainly, we would all love to see that. It's fun to watch plays like that or a deep post pattern for Nick Harbor, right? Like everybody wants to see this. but that, that's not all he's going to be required to do to be a college wide receiver. You can't say, you know, people simplify it say, J- just remember early in the season, just put him out there and have him run go routes. Okay, well, even, there's an art to even that. that. This is different than putting your cleats down on a track and saying go run a 60. You know, there's technique to that, but it's a lot different than put your cleats down on this football field wearing a helmet and a bunch of equipment get off the line against this corner, run, look up for football, catch football, keep keep running. Like It's a lot different.
2: If this was the Holtz era, though, he would have already been out there running goes and slants. Remember <laughs> Troy Williamson? It just felt
0: like yeah, oh, he did. go and slant, go and slant, yes. and, and Dondrell Pinkins running the football, QB power. And we talked about this a little bit earlier on the week. Obviously, there's still more games to play this season, but when you think about the benefit of what he's getting playing – more meaningful snaps now, getting more targets. And, yes, it's not an ideal situation that you have uh, your top, really, three receivers down with injury right now. But this is going to prove so beneficial to him next year when he is going to be asked to step up in a more expanded role, having these great reps for the A&M game, Jacksonville State, and however many more games he's going to be asked a lot of out of these next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, no no doubt. For all these young guys that are getting to play more and more, and for various reasons, doesn't matter the reason. You're getting to play. You're getting reps. There is nothing in the world like game reps in front of a crowd, on ESPN, TV cameras, people asking you questions about it after. There's nothing that can replace that no matter how much you practice, I think. So this this is all going to go a long way for him. It's all going to go a long way for building confidence, I think, moving forward. And, frankly, as players build confidence – Coaches build confidence in those players, and that's when you can sort of get more and more comfortable dialing things up for him. And I thought it was interesting as that game went on last week against A&M, they were looking to eight. Like, they were looking to Nick Harbor. He was a primary target in some of these situations, which I I think speaks to the growing confidence that the staff has in him. Also, I want to mention, easy mover. Adding that one to the lexicon. Of scouting there's all these different scouting phrases that coaches use and i don't know if i had alshon out of high school in the easy mover category i had Shaq roland and he is 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 the the definition the easy mover
0: i'll say this much and obviously you guys have been around these players a lot more than me but i got to see alshon walk through the press box when he was being honored a while back and look at him like just a genetic freak i mean this guy's a monster and seeing nick harbor funny enough here at Hill, here at steel hands at the preseason kickoff party I had the exact same thought like that guy's just a freak of nature playing the wide receiver position so obviously a little bit different and we'll see what you know nick harbor uh, becomes becomes a wide receiver but that's at least one comparison i could draw between those two yeah i just my my final take
2: on this is just there there is no actual comparison though like there there's nobody like at least, as far as I know, of nobody involved with South Carolina that you look at and say, "Harbor," this guy cannot draw a line. There, there, there is like else. Mario Anderson, Mike Davis, I think. But Nick Harbor, he, he, and if he keeps improving, who know,
0: who knows what he's going to be, you know. But I, I think he's one of one when it just comes to the size, speed combination. Absolutely. We're excited to see what he can do this weekend against Jacksonville State. Take a look at some things defensively hear what Clayton White had to say coming up as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on. Live out of Steelhands Brewing and Casey going until noon here on the game. Also Dave, sorry I'm going to call for cut nine. Welcome back in. GameCock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, West, and Chris out at Steel Hands Brewing In. Casey, it's so funny. Uh, you guys do an about face as soon as I start doing the intro when you're overdoing other things. We never do that. We're, yeah. all, we're that always we You guys are thing. always ready. Yeah. Always have the headsets on. But uh, That was a straight spin <laughs> move. I, <laughs> I had to bust out. You were about to do something else and you immediately turned back around. That's always funny. Uh, but anyway, it is the GameCock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Broadcasting live at Steelhands Brewing in Casey going until noon. Tyler West and Chris out here, of course, getting you set for the Gamecocks and the Gamecocks coming up on Saturday as Jacksonville State is coming into town. We do have some more tickets to that to give away here in just a little bit, but another pair of basketball tickets actually now to give away for the season opener against USC Upstate. Coming up on Tuesday, be caller number three right now at 803-404. I'm just throwing numbers out there, <laughs> 404-6100. Again, 803-404-6100. Captain Dave back in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios to, uh, to take your call there for the uh, the tickets to the home opener for men's basketball coming up on Tuesday. Before he takes that call though, Dave, if you can go ahead and hit this cut uh, from uh, Coach White yesterday, talk a little bit about Jerron Willis who has been factoring into this defense this past weekend against A&M and uh, should have a more expanded role going forward as well. Here's what uh, Coach White had to say yesterday.
1: Yeah, well, the things that we've seen from Jerron was, you know, it kind of, obviously, before the game, uh, he's been doing a good job of servicing our offense, uh, representing other teams and their linebackers and, and their play. And so he showed up on special teams. Just, he's just a young player that's continued to grow. But what we see from him is just a natural football player that, that, that can run and hit. And he got in on that one. He got there it was a tad late before, the, before B.T. got it out, but he got credit for it. He looked good on TV. And uh, just to me, it's just he's the guy that has good size. He can run. He can fly. He can hit. Uh, just, you know, just to keep, uh, over, um, keep his overall football game growing.
0: We talked about this earlier on in the week. You know, Willis is somebody obviously transferring in from Ole Miss. We figured maybe a factor um, earlier on in the season, hasn't gotten the opportunity to get out there on the field, only comes in for a handful of snaps on Saturday against A&M, makes a big impact, has two tackles, and uh, has a hurry on the quarterback as well. And, you know, he's part of these you know new that they kind of throw out there, and you would expect to see him out there for maybe even more snaps this Saturday against Jacksonville State. You yeah, and I, I think right now – Some credit to him for
2: continuing to push despite not playing early in the year. And credit to the staff for finding a way to use both uh, he and Bam Martin Scott. And these guys, uh, you know, Clayton White, I I think, kind of echoed what we were saying yesterday in saying that, hey, these guys are both similar. And they've got some pass rush juice to them. They've got some length to them. They're not necessarily edge-sized where you would say, ah, you can just put this guy – at edge or defensive end and say, just go rush the passer. But what you can do, I think especially when you're in these third and longs, is put them in this three-three-five look, and then you're going to bring guys from different angles and, and try to keep the offense guessing on which direction they're coming from. I, I think a lot of people will say, all right, so will we see more of him this Saturday? Um, how much more could we see? How many more snaps? I think to tie this conversation together, that will be purely dependent on How many third and longs is Jacksonville State in this weekend? Like, I don't think this is necessarily a package you're going to see them just roll out there on a bunch of first and tens. You know, I I think this is a specific package for a specific situation. And, you know, they may experiment with it a little bit if they're looking out there saying, man, we got to get a little more speed on the field against this spread formation that you're going to see from Jacksonville State. But for the most part, this is designed to get athletes on the field and to get pass rushers in multiple positions on the field.
3: Yeah, and, you know, earlier in the season, as Clayton White alluded to, you know, this is a guy that was just doing a lot of scout team work for you. So, you know, simulating the other team's linebackers. And with his athletic profile, probably something that he was pretty good at. But he continued to flash. You know, that this week, him being in the game – when you saw him out there, in one way it was a surprise because it was literally, I think, guys, the first snaps he played this year on defense or special teams. But Shane Beamer had mentioned uh, before the A&M game, I think the week before, too, uh, before the previous game, hey, this is a guy that's been flashing on our scout team. He's been doing some good work on special teams. And so he got that opportunity. As you said, West, different type of matchup. A&M more of your kind of traditional style of offense versus playing a you know, tempo zone read team. Um, but if you can get into those situations, you know, if you have Jacksonville State in a third and long playing, again, an athletic quarterback, playing a guy like Jaron Willis makes some sense. I mean, they the players seem to like the package. We saw it some. They had some success with it. So we'll see. But I, I totally agree with Wes, dependent on the situations that you can create because it's a situational package right now.
2: And I think sometimes – when we talk about rotations and who's playing what and what player is in a game. And sometimes you do kind of lose a little bit of sight of, hey, the the way the game has flowed is going to determine some of these rotations. And I I think that's the case at times when you start talking about running backs as well. Well, how many carries did this guy get? Well, hey, we were down in this game, and we had to throw the ball more. Or the other side, look at the Mississippi State game, they just said, look, we're going to force feed – Mario Anderson and, and get him going and try to develop this running game a little bit. So game flow, upon it, matchups, all these things are, uh, you know, hev- heavily factor in to all the other little details that go into a game. And the, the beauty of college football, one of the best things about college football, is it's not like the NFL where for the most part you're going to see pretty similar schemes every single week you're going to see a diverse range of opponents and approaches and schemes from week to week. And uh, this week, a, a pretty unique one uh, in Rich Rodriguez's scheme.
0: And, and, again, we talked about this earlier in the week as well. You know, Jerron Willis has several years of eligibility left, so he's somebody that can obviously factor into this defense for a while and it's good to see him finally getting the opportunity to get on the field even in these uh, kind of limited roles so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, explosive kid. And I think he can build off of this year. Like, I, I think look at, you know, look at Debo Williams and, and kind of his trajectory at South Carolina. Not that this is exactly the same. Debo was playing more of an actual backup role. So this is 425 You're learning the entire defense. You're learning the entire scheme. And we trust you to go play a backup role. Debo did that well for a couple of years, and now he moves into a starting role. Uh, I think for Willis, it's more like, hey, right now we're going to use this package to get you on the field, but use this to build confidence, use this to show that, hey, you're a guy physically talented enough that we have to find a way to keep getting you on the field. I think you go into this next offseason and try to figure out going through spring, going through all the meeting time you're going to have during an offseason, can he get himself then in a position – to go be one of South Carolina's true linebackers in the 4-2-5 and compete for maybe not a starting spot, but a rotational spot in that group. And I got to
3: wonder if we see him more on special teams. Like, does that role expand? Because, as we know, there are still some unsettled spots for the Gamecocks on special teams. Some of those personnel losses from last season have been felt this year. and. You know, Pete Lumbo, has he didn't speak this week, uh, but he allu- he has alluded to multiple times that the kick return team, for instance, has not been nearly good enough for South Carolina. We've actually they actually have not been that good at all on that particular unit. Others have been quite good. You know, and, and we saw last week they you know should have had a a, a fully blocked punt, but they. They've been good in, in some areas, but Jaron Willis actually against Texas A&M, he did play a snap on the kick coverage team, and then he was out there on field goal slash extra point block as well. So does that role expand with his athletic profile
0: and as he continues to come along? And we'll see how he factors in against Jacksonville State upcoming this weekend. Of course, tomorrow on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, we'll do buy or sell as we always do on Fridays for a game. And it is sponsored, as always, by our friend Kendall Walsh and everyone over at Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate Medley.
2: Yes, the Dwell team at Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate Medley. Great people. We had a fantastic time out there. I guess that was about three weeks ago now, hanging out with them over in West Columbia. And uh, guess what, guys? You don't even have to go hang out with them, although I'm sure they would love to have you over for some coffee and some donuts. But just give them a call, 803-414-3590, or check out their team at dwellcolumbia.com. Also on Instagram and Facebook, at Dwell Columbia. That's D-W-E-L-L Columbia. And essentially, if you are buying, selling, or investing in real estate in the Midlands, they want to help you by giving you the absolute best customer service you could possibly have. And if you're a Gamecock fan listening, which most of you are, you'll be happy to know that Kendall used to work for the Gamecock Club. So you may have even met her at some time along the way. She's a Gamecock fan all the way through and through will definitely be watching South Carolina this weekend as she does every single football game. So if you're a Gamecock who wants to support Gamecocks, hit up Kendall Walsh and the Dwell Columbia team at Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate Medley today. Again, 803-414-3590. She's going to take a daunting process and
0: make it easy for you. Very cool thing happening this Saturday during the Jacksonville State game. Going to honor the 2010-2013 to 2013 South Carolina team uh, one of the most accomplished groups to ever come through South Carolina. We'll touch on that a little bit coming up. Listen to Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs live at Steelhands Brewing and Casey, going until noon here on the game. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyra West and Chris with you. Out of Steelhands Brewing and Casey going until noon. Of course, getting you set for the Gamecocks. And the other Gamecocks coming up this Saturday. Uh, kickoff at noon, which you can listen to right here on the game. pregame coverage starting at 7 a.m. with myself and Terry Ford for Gamecocks Game Day. Another edition of the Lawyer Lease Special Teams Touchdown Contest rolling over to yet another week. $900 up for grabs if South Carolina can get a special teams touchdown this weekend against Jacksonville State. Head on over to 1075thgame.com and register for your chance to win if that touchdown does happen. A winner will be announced live on the air with Bill and Preston come Monday on the early game. If it doesn't, it just rolls over to $1,000 for Vanderbilt the following weekend. And speaking of the game against Jacksonville State, still feeling very generous this morning. One more pair of tickets to that game for caller number... Can I say it? Sure. Caller number eight. Caller number eight, according to Wes. For Nick Harbour. Caller number eight right now, 803-404-6100. Captain Dave back in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios to take caller number eight to win a pair of tickets to the Jacksonville State game coming up on Saturday. Really cool thing happening at the game on Saturday. The 2010 to 2013 Gamecocks team, including Steve Spurrier, going to be honored at Williams-Brice Stadium. Of course, the 2010 team going to the SEC Championship game and the 11 through 13 teams winning 11 games in each of those seasons. The the greatest class to ever come through South Carolina and uh, cool that they're going to be honored. uh, Really, I guess like a 10-year reunion on uh, Saturday during the game. Yeah, what a group. Um, Accomplished so much. I mean, you, you start with 2010. First and only trip
3: to Atlanta. Uh, you unfortunately ran into the cyborg that was Cam Newton. As everyone um, did once that Once you year. got – everybody did. They, they were not alone in that. Had to play Auburn twice, too. Um, most important thing is you got to Atlanta. Man, I, I still remember the, just how much excitement, how much of a thrill that was for South Carolina fans. So, you had that great year, and then you followed it up with, obviously, the, the run that everybody talks about, 33-6 and six over three years. Some absolute thrillers in there. Um, And then, of course, in the midst of all that, you had the five-year winning streak over Clemson. So, those are some fun years that people should appreciate. It would be really cool to see a lot of those guys. I mean, some some great players. I've been kind of harping on this point recently. The best college football teams year in and year out, the ones that are competing consistently for titles, not, hey, you upset a team here and there, hey, you... You had one good year. Like the teams that are consistently there, they have the best players, right? And so, you look at when Steve Spurrier got to South Carolina, he was a great coach at Duke, he was a great coach at Florida, he's a great coach at South Carolina, the best that this this program has seen. When he first got to South Carolina, it's not like he immediately just started winning, right? What what changed? Well, several things, and I think you give him a lot of credit, give his staff credit, but what? What was common in that stretch was they had a lot of great football players. They recruited a lot of great football players, Connor Shaw, Jadavian Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Ace Sanders. I mean, there, there's too many of them to name. They had those players, and, and that's
2: why – that's a huge reason that they were able to do um, all the things that they did. You had the personality of Steve Spurrier. Yep. You also had – I mean, you had some good personalities on that football team as well. The thing I remember is, and this goes back to having players, but the number of weapons those South Carolina Mm -hmm. teams had, and and by weapons I don't necessarily even mean traditional, like what you think of, like, oh, wide receivers. Just the fact that if they were in a game, and and they had some games where, you know, it was uh, kind of a little bit closer than I (laughs) thought it would be, and they found a way to win a lot of those games because they had so many options. I remember – you know some games and w- what year did they go to UCF uh there was a, it was a game in Orlando was that 2013 the Blake, the Blake Bortles or game that was 2014 actually right so that was after this group but uh point still being they struggled in the first half and you know what they said they went into the second half they said we're going to get in the I formation <laughs> and give the football to Mike Davis yeah and you know, that wasn't their style. That wasn't what they normally did. But they said, we got, an, we got a guy here who can make something happen, and we're going to do it. You can talk about all those other wide receivers they had, but I remember a Kentucky game where they're trailing on the road at Kentucky, and they said, you know what, let's try to get the speed of Demir Bird involved. And they hit him on a deep ball down the field, and it completely turned the entire trajectory of that football game. Uh, so you, you think about the Alshon Jeffries – the Marcus Lattimore's, the uh, Connor Shaw's, obviously those guys. But they had a bunch of other weapons that would stick in there and make plays for you, and I, I thought that was the difference for those
0: teams. That UCF, that was in 2013. That was actually the only loss UCF had en route to their Fiesta win that year.
2: Yeah, they, they just said in the second half, say said we're going to get an affirmation around the football right down your throat, and, and it worked. And, uh, you know, Ace Sanders, like having – the, the weapon that he was as a punt returner and as, as a slot receiver, I think sometimes his the stuff he did as a punt returner overshadowed a little bit of just how good he was as a slot receiver. They they would get down there in the goal line and run little quick outs or old school, we used to call it like, I don't know if it's still called this, like a pigtail route where there's that like little um, hesitation to the inside and then you break it immediately outside. They were like undefeated on hitting that pass down near the goal line because teams would get so crunched in there against the run, and Ace was so quick. Like, he he wasn't even the fastest guy, but he's maybe the quickest player South Carolina has ever had, I feel like. So they just had so many different guys that could hurt you. Their tight ends were always good during that stretch through multiple iterations of who the tight end was. And then, I mean, 2010, beating Alabama, you know, just I remember the absolute euphoria on campus that day, after South Carolina has game day in, you know, beats Alabama, and um, you know I remember the graphic popping up. You look back at the graphic for that defense, the guys that were on that South Carolina defense, particularly defensive line and secondary, mm-hmm. is just
3: ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like there, there's a path, like. Teams just don't win by accident. You know, you've got to have great players, great coaching. I, I think Wes put it well, like great players mixed with how Steve Spurrier did things. It's kind of a
0: kind of a magical formula. Do we have a list of which guys are going to be in town this weekend as part of being honored? Do we know yet? I don't think we we have that I mean, list. It's obviously a large group that could potentially show up, but um, a, lot, a lot of key names. There's some of those guys obviously still playing in the NFL that – would not yeah. be able to come, but I imagine uh, quite a few names will be will be there to be honored on Saturday.
2: Don't y'all feel like 10 years is it's a good amount of time to to invite everybody back? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, five too soon.
0: Yeah, like 10 years. 20 it's, it's, too many.
2: Been long yeah. it's been
3: long enough. Yeah, been long enough. It's solid round number. Yeah, and, and these guys, I mean, they, they deserve the accolades. Like, man, Ace Sanders, like, people – Man, he was so good. Like you, you think about the Georgia twenty twelve punt return. When you were talking about routes, Wes, I was thinking about. You remember in the bowl game, and I don't remember which one it was, um, but they they needed a play, and they ran the old double slant with Ace, and he just the guy he knew the route. Like you could you go back and watch that play. The defender, like, plays it pretty well. Like, you probably knew, okay, Ace Sanders is going to run right at me and run a slant, and he still couldn't stop it. Like, his tight window throw, you just couldn't stop it. Um, the play against Clemson in, uh, what was that, 2012, when you're on the road, catches a ball over the middle, makes a couple Clemson defenders collide, hit themselves, beats another guy on an angle, and they just had – they just it's a great point Wes made. Like, they just had so many guys, even if they weren't, like – super dynamic i mean you had Nikki jones out there you know just running great routes smart guy knew what he was doing you had justice cunningham and bust anderson at, at tight end like they just had so many guys that um, when they were rolling they were they were tough
0: absolutely gonna be very exciting to see that team get honored uh, on saturday and uh, going back to a, a conversation we had a couple weeks back See see what the reception for Steve Spurrier is, uh, you know, being properly honored with this team at uh, williams Bryce on Saturday. I, I, I think it's going to be positive. Yep.
2: Yep. I, I think I n- too. There, now there'll that we're here. There
0: will be a few people, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, now that we're here, I, I think it's going to be positive. And um, I'll be curious. To see, I haven't seen, like, a, like, is he going to speak to the crowd at yeah. halftime? You know, they, the guys that have had their – their jersey's retired, Clowney last year, Alshon this year. They had an opportunity to get on there and actually address the crowd. So, sure.
0: I I imagine Spurrier may have something to say. Sure, I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, hey, Spurrier, if you're in town, come hang out with us tomorrow for the Gamecock Central takeover. We'll let you speak as much as you want. True. I mean, he can he can run the show if he
2: wants. <laughs> that's that's I, right. I, you know that what we really sense. need is the Spurrier Grill. Like I I hear yeah. that it's going very well. In Jacksonville. They're starting to try to build up the area around yeah. Williams Bryce Stadium. We still don't know what all that's going to look like.
0: Pop one in there. Try to franchise not? that thing.
3: It's real. Yeah.
0: Again, excited to see the 2010 to 2013 team get honored this Saturday uh, at Williams brice Stadium. We'll come back and uh, wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Talk a little bit of recruiting ahead of Saturday uh, as we're broadcasting live at Steel Hands Brewing and Casey going until noon here on the game. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West, Chris, along with you. A few more minutes broadcasting live out here at Steel Hands Brewing in Casey. Of course, the Gamecocks and the Gamecocks squaring off this weekend at Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, got some visitors as well as far as uh, recruiting goes, including a pretty notable one as far as the offensive line goes, and uh, David Sanders going to be in town this weekend.
2: Yeah, that, that's the plan from what we've been told. David Sanders, a guy who – is probably a familiar name for a lot of recruiting followers out there and if you're not he is arguably depending on where you look number one or number two offensive tackle in the country five-star guy or high four-star guy and just another in this long list of 2025 top offensive line targets that South Carolina has been able to get on campus we we don't really have a list yet as far as other names that might be there this weekend but as always, we'll, we'll probably have something for everybody either today, sometimes as early as today, but definitely by tomorrow. But this is going to be one of those games, generally noon kickoff. It's very difficult for players from out of state to get there just because the logistics. A lot of them are playing on Friday night and then having a noon kickoff. Well, normally a game like this is more in-state or sort of neighboring state heavy. It probably won't be the biggest list of names, but there will be some key guys there almost every time. And I I think for South Carolina, that sometimes gives you the chance to sort of focus on a a few guys. And and certainly for David Sanders, who they've been in on for a long time. They've prioritized him for a long time. It feels like it's been a while since he's been on campus, so they're going to want to, of course, uh, try to to make a push there with him. Competition's big for that one. You know, I mean, he's got – you name it, Clemson and
3: North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, et cetera, et cetera, on and on, I mean, being one of, if not the top offensive tackle prospects in the country. And, Wes, this is an area, the offensive line, uh, we, we've talked about it, honestly, more than I would have liked <laughs> this year uh, for, for different reasons. But, man, the offensive line recruiting for the gamecocks that was an area you knew had to improve. And there's the proofs in the pudding there that they've done that, right? You even look at the 2023 class, you see how things built and the guys that they landed. You've got two of them playing as freshmen and playing well. Uh, you've got another one who was probably the main one that was going to play who has not been able to play, Markey Anderson, then Jatavia Shivers coming along as well. You look at the 24 class, you got a, couple, a few guys from in-state, but Josiah Thompson, Blake Franks, and Cam Pringle, Thompson being – you know, a five star, according to on three, the other guys being highly rated guys as well. And then you look at 2025 and some of the early work that they've done that the staff's done a really good job. It's been a team effort really between Lonnie Teasley, Greg Adkins, Taylor Edwards, Sam Surbe, all on the staff doing a fantastic job of getting guys in early on campus. Sanders is one of those. And there are others. And so for a fan base that's been hungry to get, you know, some big-time offensive linemen in. When are we going to have a dominant O-line? I, I think a dominant O-line in 2023 and beyond is kind of a college football myth. Like, there's not a lot of them out there, if there is one. But there, there are some good offensive lines out there, and you see what South is doing, stacking talent. That's obviously going to continue to be critical, and there's some encouraging signs there on that front.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing to remember there, man, is – even though, and I guess South Carolina kind of bucks the trend here, you typically have to wait a couple years before your big-time O-line class really starts yeah. to make a major impact on, on your team. Now, for South Carolina, they're going to be, I would say, just exponential benefits to having Troball and Treebabalade go ahead and go through those growing pains this year. Uh, I mean, they're going to be almost like veterans next year for what they have gone through for much of this season. So I think that does help speed up the process a little bit. But you can see the the potential future of an offensive line that involves those guys, plus then the other two guys from this class, then add in what they have coming in for 24. We don't know what the 25 class will look like yet on O-line, but you can already kind of see the picture of guys they are involved with and I think this O-line recruiting sort of just hammers home the point. If you're going to recruit, if you're going to land great players at a position, if you're going to flip a position, you have to get whatever your number is, you got to multiply that by three, four, or five of the guys you get on campus on a consistent basis. So if you want to land three or four top offensive linemen in a class, you better be getting ten. 15 top offensive linemen from that class on your campus, and not just once. You better consistently get them in and recruit them, and I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the plan. We're seeing the blueprint play out in 23, 24, and now you're seeing that in 25 as well. Yeah, they, they did
3: that with the three in-state guys we mentioned. I mean, how many times? It's like those guys already on the team, you know, before they even committed and even more since they committed. And so – thing is, Wes, there's some out-of-state guys in the 2025 class that they've had on campus multiple times that they've been involved with where I don't know if they'll land them, but you've, you've given yourself a good opportunity to do so going forward.
0: Ohio,
1: ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide.